Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to another episode of First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. We are back. It is week 14, and we find ourselves with a familiar foe, uh, the Chicago Bears, the team the Lions had played just three weeks ago. Uh, We are going to break it down here for you in the next 30, 45 minutes or so. My name is Jeremy Reisman, by the way. I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, co-hosting this ship again is senior editor of Pride of Detroit, is at Ryan underscore POD, is Ryan Matthews. Ryan, buddy, we're back at it. We're back at it. Um, you know, I, I think you've had enough time to to get some rest and recover from the November, you know, 24-hour charity stream. Um, I, I just find co-hosting the ship to be fascinating each and every week. And this time I feel like we're on a carnival cruise. Like co-hosting yeah. a ship feels like a cruise. Sure. But yeah, the Lions better not be on cruise control. Oh, week. okay. You know I, was, what I mean, I, I was trying. I was like thinking like cruise, maybe hair whipping in the no, in, in the wind, it. Soldier Field. I, you 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 nailed it. It's a good point. I just wanted to bring in car talk. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, uh, one of the features of this podcast, our preview podcast, is you don't have to hear us blathering on for the entire time. You get to get an expert on the other side of the opponent. Uh, and this week is no different at all. She is the host of Helmets and Heels over on uh, Jacksonville Radio at 101 XL. Also the host of Mo- Making Monsters for our friends at Windy City Gridiron. Taylor Dahl is here. Taylor, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Uh, very happy to have you here. Um, as, as as happy as we can to, to have a Bears fan here. No offense. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, but we'd like to start this podcast uh, doing... The opponent's offense versus the Lions defense to kick things off. And um, I, I feel like every time I have a Bears guest here, I have to start with the Justin Fields question because it's such a <laughs> fascinating situation. You know, the Bears are are tumbling towards a, a first overall pick. Granted, not their own first round pick, but they're getting one. Maybe the first overall pick. Um, so quarterback uh-huh. is obviously on the table. But Justin Fields is kind of starting to play good right now. So where do you personally stand on on your opinion of Justin Fields? And then maybe also what's your thoughts on what the Bears might do this offseason? Yeah, I mean, obviously, my opinion does not stand for everybody. And what I've noticed this last probably three, four weeks is Bears Twitter social in general is very divided on that. Um, I personally am a keep Justin Fields in that camp. I think that everything that you've asked Justin, he's been given a lot of crappy situations in in the first couple years, especially this year. Uh, it's mainly you. He was giving a lot of the the surroundings that he needed, but unfortunately, injuries and Luke Getzey specifically have kind of screwed up a lot of things that have were supposed to go the right way. Uh, but the year, the first two years were just it, it was a little bit of a mess from bottom to top. So I think that. 
this was the first real year that we could truly feel like we evaluated, we could evaluate Justin Fields and then we lost him for four weeks. So it, that was really unfortunate. But for me, almost every single thing that you've asked Justin to get better at, he has. Um, maybe it's taken a little longer than what you've wanted, but he's been able to develop a lot of a lot of the issues at last year where, hey, like, why is he so good at when it comes to like deep passes and making the like explosive plays, but not being able to throw it 10 yards or 15 yards for a completion. And we've seen that uh, that get better a lot this season. And so there's certain things like that to me that when I'm watching game by game, I'm like, this guy's getting better. And I think that he's only going to get better, especially if you continue to surround him with things that are helpful um, and a play caller, which I'm, I know we'll get to that. But um, I, I just, so I'm definitely in the keep Justin Fields camp, give him another year. I also part in part of that. I don't completely love Caleb Williams. And I, I know that's a whole different topic. I know a lot of people think he is going to be the next best thing. And maybe in four years, I'm biting my tongue on that. But I just watched uh, being a Notre Dame fan, watching him firsthand through that and just kind of through uh, college football in general this year, I wasn't massively impressed. I think the same issues he has is what Justin has. So we'd be just starting over with the same thing almost. Granted, he'd be put in a much better situation than Justin was in 2021. Yeah, a, a little bit of the old, uh, you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? Um, yeah. How how much better, though, Taylor, has this offense looked? I mean, I know it was fun, like the Tyson Bajant story was cool for a little bit, but like how much better, and I know it's a small sample size, but how much more encouraged are you by the offense and, and how much better does it look with, with Justin at the helm? It just, it immediately looks more fun with Justin, uh, which maybe all the time isn't what people want because Tyson Bajan, we, you saw, he he pulled out two wins in the four starts that he had to be out there. And so that that's good. Uh, but at the same time, the defense also started playing a lot better right during that time. So it was almost like a switch where Justin kind of had this just the beginning of the defense starting to click and then had to hand over the offense to the backup quarterback who really got to take advantage of that. But the offense with Justin, it just also play calling again. It's, it's hard for me to say this consistently because I feel like a lot of it is Luke Getze. When Luke Getze lets Justin do what Justin's good at, which is let's do more play action. Let's do RPOs. Let him use his legs, do things like that. The offense runs so smoothly with Justin and it's so much fun. There's big explosive plays, but there's consistency. They're converting third downs like crazy, which was a big struggle towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year. Um, and all of that really started to change. So to me, that's a lot of the positives that we're looking at. And it's, it's just it's a different offense when when Justin's out there. And I think that that's what scares me a little bit is that we're finally getting to that point where there is some comfortability, obviously, DJ Moore and all of these other factors, the offensive line being healthy. And then now we're going to give up on him and which I really hope we're not. But it, it's definitely it, it just looks better. It looks cleaner. It looks more efficient when he's out there. And I think a lot of that is just that he does have that little extra oomph that some quarterbacks don't have. Um, sometimes it affects them in a negative way. Cause I do think he tries to push things sometimes when he shouldn't, but yeah, the offense is just to me massively different when fields is on the field. Yeah. And it's interesting. You, you mentioned Getsy and, and you know how much better the offense is when, when they get fields on the move with the RPOs, with the play action, that's what we saw against the lions for three and a half quarters. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then the fourth quarter then, happened. <laughs> and they went into a complete shell and the lions took advantage of that. So yeah, let, let's talk a little bit more about Getsy because then he follows that up uh, the following week with the, the very intriguing Monday night game against the, the Vikings with a game plan of wide receiver screen and wide receiver screen. Yeah. 
what what was that about what was the explanation i guess given about that game plan and is that something that like just is going to pop up every now and then luke getty is going to just do something weird and i mean i i guess it technically worked and but, but it, i mean like even you went to that the, the game winning drive that's not what they did like they actually opened no. up the middle of the field and it worked yeah, it's so frustrating. And it, that's not the first game it's happened this season. I mm. personally was at the Tampa game uh, earlier at week two, I believe it was. And the same exact thing happened to where they, the Tampa Bay Bucks defense literally were like, we knew exactly they were going to run the screen on that final play. So I knew exactly where to go. And it ended up being Justin throwing a pick on the goal line because they ran a screen pass mm. on the goal line. And exact same thing kept happening in, in Minnesota. And I just, I truly don't understand. Getsy's explanation was he was, they were taking what the defense was giving them, but that doesn't make sense to me. I get like Minnesota obviously blitzes a ton. They go after quarterback. That's kind of their thing. But Justin, one of the weaknesses that he had, had re- previously was he holds the ball on too long, holds the ball too long that's one of the things they've been working on that number has steadily increased throughout the season when he he has been able to release it a little quicker um but it, it's one of the situations where when you look at it pff i'm not like there's sometimes where i'm like these pff things are weird and sometimes i'm like okay they're factual so i never truly know what to take from them but pff has justin when it comes to 20 plus yard throws deep throws ranked seventh and like passer and in the league. And then between for uh, like zero and 10 yards, he has like the third best passer rating and behind the line of scrimmage. He's the seventh worst yet. Mm. He throws the ninth most passes behind the line of scrimmage (laughs) in the NFL. And I was like, this makes entirely no sense to me. Um, And guess he keeps doing it. So I I truly don't understand. I don't know if it's Getsy not trusting Justin or some of it, some, uh, a couple of reports, Bears reporters came out and said it was more of Justin's decision. And some of that game, like he, they were running RPO and he was choosing to go with that pass behind the line of scrimmage, which I'm sure on some of the situations, it was that because you, there's, you know, somebody in his face in a couple seconds when it comes to Minnesota. But I do also think you, like you just said, you saw it at the end of the game, what you're able to do when you open it a little bit, when you give Justin a long run, you let him throw it past 15 yards. And then all of a sudden you're in field goal range in 30 seconds and like that's just kind of how the offense works but so I can't quite figure out why Getsy wants to run with the screen so much I, I truly don't know um I well I have a conspiracy theory about it and he came from Green Bay and he's trying to sabotage Justin Fields <laughs> and, and the Bears. That's, that's what I'm going with because that's mm. what it's felt like all season yeah, it feels like that might be the only rational explanation, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about the skill position players for for the Bears, just because maybe you know part of those wide receiver screens are let's get the ball in DJ Moore's hands because the guy runs like a running back and he's built yeah. like a running back. Um, but uh, you know, outside of DJ Moore, like I, I got to ask it, why is Justin Fields kind of allergic to Darnell Mooney? It, it seems like Tyson Bajet wanted to go to him all the time. But I, I, you know, I did five questions with Windy City Gridiron, and they mentioned that over the last seven games, you know, Mooney's averaging less than two targets per game with with Fields. So um, I I guess kind of maybe answer that question and then kind of let us know, are there any other skill positions that uh, skill position players rather that, you know, the line should be uh, on, on the watch? 
Yeah, it is truly weird, and I can't totally figure that out either because I love Darnell Mooney. Obviously, he's a smaller receiver, but I think he's able. He's he makes big plays, and we saw last year at, when he was the number one receiver, he's still able to get up in the air and get the ball and get those 50-50 catches. And this year, it was ideal because we thought him being able to move to like wide receiver two was going to excel him like he did a few years ago when he was in that wide, or two, uh, wide receiver two spot behind uh, Allen Robinson. But it, it just hasn't worked, and I'm, I don't know. It To me, it's just some weird connection between him. Uh, Justin Fields, obviously, DJ Moore is easy. That's an easy guy to get the ball to and know that not only are you he's going to catch it, but he'll also probably get another 5 to 15 yards after the catch, which you want. Uh, the Bears were dead last in Yak uh, last year, so it was nice to be able to see that this year. But he also has found a lot of connection with Cole Komet. And Komet is a name that I would say is steadily getting better in Chicago, steadily becoming one of the weapons that Justin is trusting more, that Bears fans are wanting him to throw to more. Um, and it was a, a question mark for a little bit because before last year, he, when you were looking at his progression of touchdowns, it was like zero and you were super concerned, like, okay, now we're going to have to go find another tight end. And then he ends up getting seven touchdowns. And now this year he's back on track to pass yardage and touchdowns for the Bears. So uh, that's if you're naming a weapon, another weapon, I'd say DJ Moore and Cole Komet have been Justin's go-tos this year. Um, and then obviously the run game, the run game is so important for the bears still, even though they have passed the ball a lot more this season, it's still uh, definitely the focal point of what they like to do. And part of that is just because Justin can do it, but, um, and then that realm, it's just kind of the situation where it opens so much more when you are able to run the ball, obviously. And then next thing you know, you look down the field and DJ Moore is just standing there or Cole Komet standing there. Uh, but I'm kind of, I'm a little bummed for Mooney uh, just because I did, like I said, I truly thought it was going to be a year of him where we'd be able to see like true wide receiver two numbers. And uh, he would be able to be not technically the safety blanket. Cause I guess that would be DJ Moore, but when DJ Moore is getting double covered, you'd hope it'd be Mooney and it just hasn't happened that way. Well, you mentioned the Bears run game, and um, obviously Justin Fields is, is a huge part of that, especially when they decide to actually lean into that part of his game and not just resort to him him scrambling, which he's also very good at. But, um, you know, this is this is a really talented team that, that will run between the tackles on you. Lions were able to bottle up Khalil Herbert and Dante Foreman and, and Roshan Johnson last time. Um, but can can you explain how good they've been the rest of the year and how much of that is is the talented backs? You know, I think Herbert is a guy that, will you know, a lot of people in Chicago think is potentially a top tier back in this league. Um, but obviously the offensive line getting healthy, getting better has a part to do it. So kind of tell me the the mix uh, between what's been making Chicago successful on the ground. Yeah. I mean, I think a large part of it is knowing when to run the ball and uh, the bears, when they run on the right side have been super successful when they run mm -hmm. to the right. What we noticed during Detroit is they kept running to the ball to the left. And that was a comment we kept saying is like, I don't really quite understand. Again, I don't know. Luke Getzi, what he's doing. We also had our running back coach fired this season too. So who knows what's going on in that realm. But um, it, it's, it's interesting because when you watch it, Khalil Herbert obviously was hurt and missed a good amount of games and Deontay Foreman came in and you didn't notice a difference in the run game. And that's massive. Even when Justin Fields was out and you're not relying on his legs, we were still able to run the ball pretty steadily. Um, but it's, I think it's a combination of a lot of things, but I do think a large part of it is when the line is healthy, it just works so much more and it works so much better. They also, sometimes you'll see in them throwing out, you know, a chip blocker and you'll see a tight end get out there. Um, and which also helps. But for me, when you look at our one game in general, you see Cleo Herbert, who obviously is our one, uh, but they've been able to mix it up enough to where you're not really sure 
if they're going to use Herbert or Deontay Foreman more at this point, which I guess bums out some Bears fans for Foreman or fantasy owners of Khalil Herbert. Um, but it, it's just, to me, it's a, it's a good balance and that's why it works because the, the one problem that we had last year too is why they started catching up when it came to the run game. The run game was super strong in the beginning of the season, kind of started fizzling off. I think a large part of that was because it was just so predictable. They knew that's all the Bears could do. Uh, and now that they go from maybe only throwing the ball 18, 19 times to higher 20s that opens up things it opens uh, up more for the running backs to be able to use that um I think they're both just really good at finding lanes too because you'll see they're actually a little different I want to say Foreman is one of the ones that will kind of just like run you over and Khalil's good at finding the lanes so they're different backs too so you can use them in different situations um and that's one of the things that I think has helped with the success of the third downs too because like I said it it was really bad for a while and the times when it was bad was when Khalil Herbert wasn't playing so that's definitely an improvement we've seen yeah. And, and, and Taylor, I guess the last question to kind of wrap us up here is, you know, you, you look at maybe the Lions defense and I know, you know, Ali McNeil just got put on IR uh, as a Bears fan. You you have obviously saw the game a, a few weeks ago um, and Chicago kind of they, they did what they wanted to do on offense. But like, is there anything about Detroit's defense that kind of worries you coming into this game as a Chicago Bears fan if you're putting on your Luke Getze hat? Um, I mean, I think the first thing you want to say is Hutchinson because he like just terrifies me. I think that Darnell Wright did a pretty decent job for the majority of the game, but obviously the game ended because he was able to get around him and get to Justin and force a fumble and the game exploded that way. And unfortunately, that's one of the major things. Uh, if I could say anything left for Justin to work on, it's ball security. I mean, everything else I think he's gotten better at. Um, turnovers have lessened everything else, but for some reason, he just fumbles the ball too much. And I think part of that is, I mentioned earlier, he pushes a lot of things. And sometimes maybe when you just saw Minnesota, when he fumbled, it was a play. He was just trying to get that first down yardage and he was pushing through an entire defensive line and it just doesn't work when you're slinging the ball around in one hand uh but so to me i guess that's one of the things that i obviously am scared of because i think that hutchinson is going to be someone we're going to have to worry about for a long time um you mentioned i I work in jacksonville too so i was so i was so angry when they took trayvon and not (laughs) aiden hutchinson so that's just a whole different world i was like not only are you screwing me in jacksonville but now i have to face him in detroit too like what the hell um but yeah i I think that even it's a big loss with mcneil but i also think just the way the line plays in general obviously kaminsky and hutchinson there's enough up there that you can i think plug and play some guys and maybe rotate them out a little bit you may have to because you'll have to find guys who have that Evenness of McDeal, he could run block and he could pass route. He could get added some pressure to the quarterback. So finding somebody who can do both of those at a high level is hard. But when you have the line the Lions do right now, I think you can really plug and play and rotate some guys in there and make it work. Um, so I would say that, and I would say the run defense, because like I said, when the Bears offense runs way better when they're able to run the ball. And the moment you're able to shut down the run, I feel like things kind of collapse a little bit. So, uh, and they sit right there with the Bears, honestly. I think the Bears have like second fewest rushing yards allowed. The Lions are only a few spots behind them in that. So they've been really good at it. Uh, so that's kind of what scares me the, the most in that realm. Yeah, and, that, and that's fair. I mean, I think that, you know, whoever does step in for Aleem and, and the Lions haven't been completely transparent about who that's going to be. They've just kind of listed all these guys are going to have their chance. Um, yeah. wh- whoever it is, I, th- I think we can probably agree, Ryan, it's going to be someone who's run defense first. That's that's their, their yeah. main goal every single week. And so 
Um, like I said, they did a good job against the, the running backs, but Justin Fields has been a, a thorn in this team's side. Literally three straight games of 100 rushing yards or more against the Lions. So we'll see if the Lions are able to slow that down this week. But let's take a break. When we, we can come make back. it four. We can uh, make it four. <laughs> I mean, I think they will, but I, we'll see. We'll see. We, I can't give up my predictions yet. Here we go. Uh, let's, let's take a break here. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about the Lions offense going against that Bears defense, which is getting a little bit better now. And we'll talk about that more when we come back here on First Bite. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back here on First Bite with Taylor Dahl, breaking down Lions Bears Week 14. Bears trying to get revenge after just barely losing to them. Uh in week 11, I think it was back then in a, a real tight game. And and I think we would be fools to think it, it wouldn't be, it won't be tight again here. Line currently lions minus three or minus three and a half, depending on where you're looking, but you should always look at DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right. Little plug for, for, for some SB nation love. Well done. Uh, but let's, let's talk about that Lions offense going up against the bears defense, uh, bears defense. Um, very opportunistic in the first matchup forced uh, four turnovers against the Lions, three interceptions from Jared Goff, his only three interception game as a Detroit line. And then they go back the next week and uh, create a quarterback controversy in Minnesota by picking off um, the, the pastronaut four times. <laughs> uh, so, so let, let's talk, let's start there. Um, the turnovers. Do you feel like that's yeah. just, I mean, sometimes they come in waves and, and sometimes they feel fluky. Sometimes it's, it's the result of a, a, a team getting better on defense. Uh-huh. Um, what what do you kind of take from, from those two really good defensive performances? Was this something that just felt like a long time coming? Yeah, I, I think realistically, you're not expecting two, three picks every game, but I do think that we should expect this to continue at least starting to get turnovers consistently. Um, a large part, I think they weren't for a while as they were missing. They hadn't had all their four defensive backs since week one. Kyler Gordon went out in the third quarter of week one against the Packers and he missed six weeks. And in between all of those six weeks, we also at one point had none of the starting defensive backs playing at one time. Um, and so against Detroit was the first game of the season since 
quarter two of week one where all the defensive backs were playing together. So I think that's really, that was a really important thing. And I'll also preface that with saying with Tyreek Stevenson being a starting defensive back was a rookie too. So week one, the, you know, he was still coming into his own. And one of the things you constantly hear is how, Difficult. The defensive back position is probably one of the more difficult ones when it's coming, when it's that transfer from college to NFL, picking up the speed and really trying to get a grasp on things. Um, at least every time I've talked to a coach, they list that position as one of the more difficult ones. So for me, obviously, Tyreek kind of trying to figure things out in those first few weeks, no Kyler Gordon, then Eddie went out and then Jalen went out. And it was just one thing after another for a while. So Detroit, unfortunately for you guys, got the bears on on their first all four together for the first time of the season and so uh you could see that you could see it immediately they they felt more cohesive they felt like they were clicking you could really tell they were reading off of each other in the right situations um and i, I think also Flusa's whole thing as a as a defensive coach is the hits um so takeaways is part of that he he forced that a lot that was a big thing when he was in indianapolis so we were more surprised that they weren't happening because it was such a big focal point of what he does in his defenses and so to be able to finally feel like that's happening is really exciting um but I do think it's a combination of health, and I just think guys are getting better, too. Uh, Kyler Gordon, obviously, in year two, he's getting better. Jaquan Brisker, he's in year two, getting better. Tyreek Stevenson, as a rookie, getting better. Um, and then Jalen Johnson right now is playing like one of the top corners in the league. So it, it's just it's all happening right at the right time. He's in a contract year, so that's important for him. Um, and I think that's a big part of it is it's just the, the combination of, like I said, health them all kind of just getting better as the season goes. And then also finally buying into what Flus's defensive mindset is. Yeah. Well, speaking of not being in the right place at the right time, Kyler Gordon in that last game, the penalty for his face mask what? falling apart. I know that was why I've, I've never seen that before in the NFL. Either. I was, it was, I, you, cause you didn't really know what was going on. The cameras were all over at first, but the moment he held up his, helmet and it was flopping i was like how does it how did he get a penalty on right. that and then i love that the bears posted the mic'd up of it though because it made the nfl officials just look like idiots which i know we all <laughs> enjoy um because i was like you just completely missed that he was getting punched on the side <laughs> yeah and they, yeah, we, they, and they changed the call too right they're like oh no it wasn't yeah, that he took his helmet off he was taunting him or something taunting. yeah which and he was like i was showing you my helmet was broken <laughs> Yeah, I, Incredible. I, I, no, no idea what happened to that. Life, um, life but, as a bear, I swear. Life as a bear. Yeah, but it, it was also funny too because the broadcast kind of like insinuated that like the camera cut away long enough for him to like, I, like maybe go get a screwdriver or something to like <laughs> loosen the helmet. Like I was like, what? 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 No, this is a level like, of conspiracy theory. I know they were like that doesn't just happen, and I was like, okay, you thought yeah. he just like went and did it himself real quick? <laughs> hey, let me take this off. Yeah, wild. Um, but yeah, uh, speaking of things that are happening, um, the pass yep. rush looks really improved. Um, is, is that just a matter of hey, you upgraded at the deadline? You got somebody like Montez Sweat in. I mean, the DVOA numbers kind of kind of back that up in terms of what the Bears have been able to do. And and you know, you, you did mention the backhand uh, yeah. of the Bears secondary and the, their defense, but um, what kind of difference has Montez Sweat made and um are, are you noticing improvements from other players too because maybe he's getting a little more attention uh for sure i think that the defensive line was my biggest concern coming into this season they didn't do much at all uh, they went and signed andrew billings who actually has been a very under the radar good signing for the bears that was one where everyone was kind of like who <laughs> like what because obviously you want those big splash names and they wanted a pass rusher in the offseason and it didn't happen but billings has been 
a, a good pickup. And obviously they went and got Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens in the draft too. Javon Dexter has been fantastic and every single week has gotten better. Um, so I think that to me, what I, what stands out to me when it comes to the defensive line and how they've been able to create more pressure, I think number one, Montez Sweat um, is the big factor. I mean, this guy, almost every single play, he's creating some sort of pressure um, and you see him around the quarterback almost every single play, but that does free up other opportunities for other guys. And I've seen that help Javon Dexter a ton. Um, he's been able to now ha- get close to the quarterback several times. He doesn't have a sack on the season. He almost got golf golf, got it out like a millisecond before. And I thought it was going to be his first sack and I was going to be pumped, but um He's just, that's helped him improve a lot. I think that Justin Jones started the season rough. Like the first three, four weeks, people were just like, okay, this is, he, that's not working anymore. Whatever turned on and whatever clicked in his brain has started working because now, and maybe that's a combination of just like progress and getting comfortable with who you're working around, because obviously, you know, that's important. And when he's working with a couple rookies in the middle and trying to probably dictate a line, what they're learning the NFL at the same time, um, they also couldn't quite figure out the rotation too. uh, Which is another thing that stands out to me, Demarcus Walker, who is another signing they got in the off season. We're playing him at edge a lot before because we didn't have another edge. It was yawn and that's it. Um, and so they were having to play him on the edge. But Demarcus Walker in Tennessee last year had seven sacks. All of them came from the interior. And so I was so confused as why they pulled him over here to be an end when I was like, put him in the middle, if anything, and like go get somebody who can play on the outside. And that's what they did. And so I think it's a combination of that. They added guys who know how to get pressure from the inside. They added guys who are really good against the the run on the inside like Dexter and now are figuring out how to create those pressures. And then you have a guy like Montez Sweat who on the outside, I'm not talking about Jan because I feel like I really don't see him barely at all. He's, I I wasn't a huge fan of the signing in general. So maybe I just am a little bit of a bummer on that one. But (laughs) I, um, I, I think that Sweat has just been maybe that little final piece that they needed to boost up the confidence up front. Um, and just add that little extra layer of comfortability for the young guys that are now in the middle. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the sound of that, Jeremy. I don't like uh, the sound of the Bears <laughs> being able to do stuff right along the interior in a week where they're probably going to be without Frank Bragg now. Yeah, and well, and uh, it's, it's been really fascinating too because you know, I, I think Taylor, your your anxieties about the defensive line were were right in the first half of the season, right? The you know yeah. the Bears were not creating a lot of pressure. They're, they're they still are one of the teams with the, with the few sacks, but you look at the past two weeks, they, they, they rattled Jared Goff yeah. enough for him to throw three interceptions. And Minnesota's offensive line is almost as good as the lions in terms of yeah. pass protection. And they rattled them all day. And so it, the, the, the trend arrow is, is up and, and up strong. And so I'm, I, I, I'm curious how the lines are going to respond after they got, you know, tossed around a little bit by the bears last time around and without Frank rag now. Um, but, but they're also uh, really good at, run blocking or, yeah. or run stopping, I should say, um, yeah. you know, one of the best run defenses in the league. Um, the lines were able to get going a little bit in that last matchup. So I, I guess let's start there. Um, do, do you have a sense of maybe what went wrong? And and it wasn't terrible. I mean, I think the, ran, the lines ran for 110 yards, but that, you know, they were the one of, of two or three different teams that were able to run for a hundred yards yeah. on, on this vaunted bears defense. So, so what went wrong that week? Um, and, and, and what has maybe gone right or wrong since? Um, I think the David Montgomery curse on us is what happened. <laughs> Fair. Fair. <laughs> I, I truly, because I don't know, like there was nothing they were doing differently that game. It wasn't like they were missing anybody like super sub- significant in that game. I want to say it was right when everybody really started to get healthy. Maybe that, yeah. it, maybe that was it. They were still trying to kind of 
figure everything out. It was the first time they're all playing together. Um, but up front, it's been pretty healthy. So I, I truly don't know. Um, that whole game, I was getting a little frustrated because I was like, do not do not let Montgomery rush like 150 on us tonight. I'm going to be so angry. Um, but I do slightly cheer for him. I will say that. I love David. He's he's awesome. Um, but I, I just blame it on that. I blame it on yeah. that revenge game of players, which I truly believe in the guys have. Like sometimes they come in with that little extra juice and, you know, and maybe it wasn't all Montgomery, but being able to him being in that running back room, being like, let's show them. I feel like was, was a piece of it. That's fair. I, I think that makes sense. I mean, emotions are part of it. And, and, and as much as, as Montgomery tried to downplay it the entire week, uh, yeah. pe- people close to him knew that, that that game meant a lot. And I, I do, I, I'm kind of curious because I know Montgomery has said some things that weren't like totally blasting Chicago, but they also weren't inno- innocuous in any way. Like there, there was, yeah. this, so um, where, where do most bands, Bears fans kind of fall on that? Are they, are they done with him? They hate him or are they like you where it's like, don't yeah. beat us, but I kind of, I, I remember the good times. I had a little bit of anger because there was a, yeah. a few comments that he made where I was like, why are you? Because I, I it was something about the fans that I didn't like. Like, mm. I don't care if you want to talk about the organization because it's been trash. Like it really right. has. There's been 500 quarterbacks and 500 head coaches and you there's, <laughs> it's been terrible. You don't win a lot of football games. So I get it. It gets frustrating when you're on a team, when you're not winning football games. Totally get it. Yeah. Um, so if you want to bash the Bears as an organization, that's fine. If you want to bash even like certain coaches that were there previously, but not the fans, because the fans love Monty and the fans were shouting to pay David Montgomery. They were the ones that were like, please give him money. Like we want to keep him. And it's not if it was our choice, they would have paid him um, more than what. Because I think you only got six from you guys. And we were like, give him nine million. Like we don't care. <laughs> and so it, it was that was a little hurtful just because and I don't think he truly meant it that way i think there was emotion into it and he was also trying to like make detroit fans feel good and be like you know i'm here i'm in detroit now so i get it um crapping on chicago fans is is a good way to win us over i'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) and so that's i i think so i had a little bit of anger but at the same time looking back like david montgomery was great for the bears and he was also like as a whole in his career in chicago we loved him so i'm not gonna let one little comment uh deter me from liking him but other fans probably are like screw you, David Montgomery, because that's just what, once someone leaves Chicago, other fans hate them, you know? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Um, so I, I guess Taylor, one last question I have for you is, um, again, put on your, uh, defensive coordinator hat, um, and, and, and assess this lion's offense. Uh, one guy we haven't really talked about is Amon Ross St. Brown. He was the most targeted receiver when the lions did play the bears, uh, a few weeks ago. Um, you know, it, is that an area of concern? Like, cause it really feels like we're talking a lot about how the bears are like trending the right direction on defense and the lions are maybe trending the wrong way on offense with some injuries and things. Well, yeah. And I don't want to take anything away. I, I like the lions as a team, like the beginning of the season, I picked the lions to win the division on anything that I was in. I was very high on the lions offense. I thought that did a lot on the defense to be able to improve it. So I don't want to take away from you guys and make it seem like I'm like the bears are better than the lions. Cause I truly don't feel like that right now. Oh, I, it, I it's think- kind of happening right now. And, and, <laughs> and there, there are a lot of lions fans, Taylor, who, who aren't happy with the whole team, right? Like there's, okay. there's there, but yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I do, I think that we are in the moment right now, the bears are in the weirdest spot ever, because like you said, like they potentially have the first pick, they potentially have two picks and like the first three um, picks. And they're trying to figure out what to do with the quarterback. They have a lot of young, really good talent. They have a lot of building blocks, but like, do you keep Eberflus? There's a lot of things going on. So when it comes to 
Detroit for me. I think that I injuries are unfortunate and it's just believe me i i can speak on it fullheartedly of how much they affect and it's you guys lost your center and that's huge and it sucks because the biggest flaw on the bears offensive line is the center we don't have one um and the, we've seen multiple balls get snapped over justin's head and between his legs and we see guys just pancake the center and fall over him and get to justin and you don't want that um in addition your center is kind of your anchor of your team and your center is the one that a lot of guys obviously are you're the snap count is relying on that and everything. So you hope that all of that stuff doesn't start catching up and getting false starts and pre-snap penalties, because that's something the Bears saw see a lot of just because of uh, our center situation. But offensively, there's just so many dangerous things for the Lions too. And uh, Amon Ra, unfortunately, we have like both the other brothers. Like we have right. the other school, <laughs> the other St. Brown. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, Equinemius, whatever, he's fine. He's a good run. He's a good blocking wide receiver. When he's out there, you do see some differences. He's not the guy that's going to make the big play like Amon Ra, but um, his Noah, we haven't seen much of, so I can't even comment on him yet. But you guys have, we kind of joke about it. We're like, how did Detroit get both the good brothers? <laughs> um, but Amon Ra, like, he's just, he's so good and he's so fun to watch. He's, he's definitely one of the scariest parts of. Detroit to me and I mentioned Monty but I'm honestly the most probably concerned with this game with with Jameer Gibbs because what his versatility is starting to get uh very threatening and watching him I'm like man he can run the ball but you also see him catch it uh you'll also see him receive and he's increased like got increasingly better in both of those I feel like and that's terrifying to me because you already have a guy like Amon Ra and you already have a guy like David Montgomery who are really good at those positions now you have a guy that can slide in and help both of those guys when uh whenever they need it so He's kind of what I'm like focusing on in this game of like, let's try to focus on like slowing down Jameer Gibbs. Obviously you have to stop him on raw, but I'm confident in our defensive backs of being able to at least slow him down. You're not going to shut down him. Like that. He's just St. Brown's one of those receivers that you never really say, Hey, let's, let's just completely shut him down. It's not going to happen. Let's hold him to, what did he have last time? 70 something yards. And I think that, I think it was like 78 yards or something like that. And that was too much. We need like, less than 30 yards from Amon Ra. <laughs> um, but yeah, to me, the offense is scary. And Jared Goff goes through these phases um, where obviously we got, we forced some turnovers last time, but then he goes through stretches where he's just very hard to get him to turn the ball over and make mistakes. So that's one of the things that we'll see this week. Um, how much is not as, as losing your center going to affect us being able to rattle him even more. That's going to be a factor, but uh, Detroit's offense is fun and it's fast. And obviously you saw what happened at the end of the game when they needed something to happen, they drove right down the field and made it happen. Um, so that's, that's the scariest part to me is they're not ones that you can just completely shut down because they'll find ways to make big plays when they need to. Yep. Uh, Amon Ra, eight catches, 77 yards on okay. 11 targets last last matchup. So, yeah, definitely had a big impact. Scored scored one of the touchdowns as well. So um, definitely a big impact that last game. Um, it, it, it'll be interesting because the Saints, to me, were the first team to really take away kind of St. Brown for most of the game. I mean, he still scored a touchdown, but only two catches, which is well below his eight, uh, weekly average. The yeah. problem was uh, then Sam Laporta ate like crazy. So, yeah. Um, 
again, it, it, it speaks to your, there's just a lot of weapons that, that you have to stop on this Lions offense. And, and the Bears did, you know, a decent job, as good as pretty much anyone has um, this season uh, in that previous matchup. But let's go to what we like to call the one thing we think we know. And and I forgot to tell you this about Taylor. So um, this is going to be a little bit on the spot for you, but um, it's, it's okay. our prediction segment where we just say one thing we think we know, it doesn't have to be who wins, doesn't have to be the score. It can just be, hey, I think Justin Fields is going to run for 100 yards for the fourth straight game, or I think <laughs> Cole Komet is going to get eight catches, whatever it is. Um, but I'll make Ryan go first so you can kind of see how it works. So, Ryan, okay. what is the one thing you think you know about Lions Bears? You know, I finally took that as a compliment. It took me all the way until now, week 14, to say, let Ryan show you how it's done. Yeah, so- it's the, you're, you're, the, you're the exemplar. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Too much pressure. Uh, So uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, um, I think that they have the line a little bit wrong on Jameer Gibbs rushing attempts. See if this surprises you, Jeremy. They have it set at nine and a half and it's even money at over nine and a half, which I find very interesting. I think that, you know, Taylor mentioned, you know, there there was a heavy dose of Gibbs um, in, in the game prior uh, that the Lions and Bears played. And specifically, he was kind of used a little bit more of his receiver. But I still think, nonetheless, like, they went a little light on Gibbs last week, Jeremy. I think that there were more opportunities. There's a lot more meat on the bone in terms of, you know, why just keep force-feeding it to Montgomery when it looks like Gibbs is ready to, you know, break a big play at any moment. And and he did. He had that long, you know, 30-plus yard run. Um, I, I just feel like maybe game script, see how the game – I feel like I feel like over nine-and-a-half carries is a, is a solid – uh bet for for anybody out there in listening land interesting so like you david montgomery you got your revenge game you got your 12 carries 78 yards and the touchdown against the bears last time now let's now we've moved past that there's no revenge needed you got your win let's <laughs> let's get the rookie more involved I, I like that i dig that yeah okay all right i cool. can buy that all right taylor we're gonna go to you next so here okay. what is the one thing okay. you know about lions bears Okay, so do I need to do like a DraftKings stat? No, line? no, no. Okay. No, I'm a degenerate. Clear, they don't even like, sponsor the. They don't even sponsor the podcast. They just sponsor the website. So <laughs> and, we, and they're we not listening. Them, we gave okay. them two free plugs. Okay, so I was originally going to say that about the Justin running because I just think that sure. after what happened last week with. 500 screen passes and all of them behind the line of scrimmage uh, and everybody shouting about it. I'm sure Justin was shouting about it, that they are going to change that game plan a little bit this, this week, but I'll switch it just because you use that one. So I, I'll throw it out there and say that, uh, uh, Javon Dexter gets his first sack this week um, for the NFL. Like I said, he was close last time with golf and last week there were several where he was just a pinch away from getting it. I just had that feeling that it's coming a few weeks ago. I uh, called Tyreek Stevenson getting his first pick. Actually, it might've been against you guys. I mm-hmm. tweeted a pick is coming from Tyreek Stevenson soon. Yep. He got his first NFL pick. So I'm going to say Javon Dexter gets his first sack this week. So it, I, that's a good one. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the box score from last game. The, the bears had eight quarterbacks hit and, eight quarterback hits and two of them came from Gervin Dexter. So um, it, it certainly seems like it, it's kind of the same thing we're, we're talking about with, I feel like on a weekly basis, Ryan with Aiden Hutchinson, like the pressures are there. He's third in yeah. pressures and he has five and a half sacks. And you're like, how are these not turning into more sacks? I think yeah. I think you're right. They're probably just at some point there's positive regression coming for both those players. I think um, this I, Ryan, I, I, I notoriously hate soldier field week. I, I hate yeah. the field. I hate the all 22. Mm-hmm. I hate, the keep weather going. Keep going. Um, <laughs> um, and, and the pizza pies keep going. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, you know what? I, I don't, hate, I don't understand the hate on deep dish I, pizza. 
I, I prefer Chicago to Detroit. Okay, you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to say that. Um, I love this podcast. So, like, yeah, in the first matchup, I was here. I was on our, our newsletter screaming that don't take the Bears easily. They they match up poorly for Detroit. Um, and, and I only feel that way more. But I, I'm going to, because lines are in panic land right now, despite the team being nine and three, I'm going to take the reverse course here and say, that the Lions offense rebounds in a big way and in, in particular in the passing game. Um, I think I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Lions are going to throw for 300 yards against the Bears. And I don't have a lot to back this up other than the fact that I think the I think a lot of times when you see two teams go at each other, sometimes you get drastically dis- different results. And maybe it's yeah, both perfect. teams kind of overcorrecting and, and and changing what they do. The the one little like morsel that I got from Ben Johnson today that that I found very interesting Um was the fact we were talking about the weather because anytime you play the bears weather is like one of the the the, the main storyline and um it looked early in the week like we were going to get some rain and snow mix now it looks like maybe it's just going to be cold and and ben johnson said looks like the the weather is trending in our direction and that was a really curious comment for me because to me because if it was rainy and snowy that usually means you're going to run the ball a lot right <laughs> Yeah. That's what the Lions love to do, Jeremy. That is what the Lions yeah. love to do. So if we're getting clear weather and he says that's trending in our direction, maybe that means they're going to pass a lot, which I would love. Like, I, I want to see this offense open up a little bit more. I think they got too dependent on the run last week. I want to see them open up. They they have, like you said, a ton of me- weapons. I'm, this isn't going to be me for the the 10th time predicting a Jameson Williams breakout game. I'm not going to do that. Um <laughs> But I, I, I would like to see them air it out a little bit more. Um, if they, you know, they don't get behind with all the turnovers this week, they won't have to necessarily be in obvious passing downs and put Jared Goff in tough situations like the first matchup. So I think they're going to be a little bit more balanced. I, I hope they don't fall behind early. And and if that happens, I think maybe Jared Goff has a, a big bounce back game um, after after a tough one against this team before. I'm sure he's hoping so because uh, yeah. like, you can see you can see his frustration so much the last yeah. time and I was like oh Jared Goff because I was like and like it was uh, so opposite for us because I was like wow we can get picks I didn't right. know we knew how to intercept the football yeah I, I am I am scared a little bit of that Bears secondary though I think they're they're underrated um, despite some, like you look at some of like the past defense numbers for the Bears and they're they're bad but again that everything seemed to be trending in the right direction for them. Um, yeah. right now including that pass defense but um we're gonna close things out here but before we do taylor i, I want to give you kind of the floor here to, to promote your stuff whether it's yeah. the jacksonville stuff the chicago stuff whatever you got in between as well i uh, would mm-hmm. love to hear what you're what you're working on yeah so i uh yes i cover two different teams i work at uh 10 xl in jacksonville uh covering the jaguars which i host a show called helmets and heels here uh very Jaguars centric, but we do love sports in general, um, especially college football down here. So it is a lot of college football talk. Um, I always make sure to mix in my bear stuff in there. So unfortunately people here have to hear me talk about Chicago probably too much. We get them on the text line all the time. They're like, we don't care about Chicago. I'm like, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's a, if you're interested at all, what's going on in the AFC South in general, obviously a, a good place to go because there are some cool things happening in the, I mean, CJ Stroud's been playing really, really well 
well. The Colts are surprising people. So there's some cool stuff happening in the AFC South that may be surprising to people. Um, and then uh, obviously making monsters for Wendy City Gridiron. That's my podcast. And so that one is more based around um, I pick a player each week who I think has like been performing well. And I kind of get their backstory of how they got to the NFL. So I talk to high school coaches, college coaches, brothers, moms, sisters, dads, whatever, um, and kind of get their story of how they got into football and how they, you know, their uh, the recruiting process and the draft process and all of that stuff. So it's really fun because you get to go beyond just the football, the X's and O's. We do talk X's and O's because it's a lot of coaches I talk to, but we go beyond that of, you know, fun stories of how they even first got into football. Like Javon Dexter, I just did last week and it was really fun because the, the dude didn't play football until his junior year in high school. And mm. he played basketball and his coach was like, Hey, we need somebody to come play like on the defense. Can you do it? And he was like, sure. And two years later, he was getting recruited by Florida to play in the SEC. Wow. So it, it was it's wild stories like that that are just really fun. So that's making monsters. Um, so those are my main things. I know Detroit fans don't care too much uh, about it unless you guys want to go steal one of our running backs again. <laughs> Yeah. Do you do you have a David Montgomery episode we can go back and listen to? I actually I think I do. I'm trying to remember if I did one last year or not. Um I had to have because I love Monty, but so there's probably, oh I for sure did because yes. So if you want to listen to the David Montgomery go. episode. <laughs> cool. Well that that's actually a really cool, unique podcast because I feel like a lot of people just do kind of what we do, which is like we just take the news as it comes. Um, but to have kind of like a, a biography type of podcast, that sounds really cool. And um accessible to, to anybody whether whether you're a bears fan or not you can you can be yeah. a fan of individuals even if they're wearing those ugly blue and yellow uniforms orange well and it's fun it's fun too like during draft season for example i do a lot of uh pre-draft stuff mm. so i did almost probably like 30 podcasts this off season between march and april on like potential draftees and i did them based on the bears but it's still obviously informational for everybody because right. i just go and I, I usually do players like expected to go in the first round and then i did kind of beyond the first round players um, I, and so it was cool because it could go back and that's informational for anybody, because right. obviously if a guy gets, if you guys end up drafting one of them, uh, it works out. I ended up actually three of the guys I did episodes on, we ended up drafting. So it worked out like pretty nice. well. Um, but there's a lot of guys we did not draft that are on there. So, so yeah, make sure you're following that during the off season. Cause every, everyone loves the draft. Yeah. Except Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> you hate the draft. Oh, we don't no. need, listen, that's for a, whole other, that's for a whole other podcast. We're in a playoff run either. here. We don't need to say the D word, uh, but let's get out of here. Uh, if you, if you want to follow Taylor, you can follow her on Twitter at TayDal 1010 XL Taylor. Thank you so much for your time, Ryan, as always, thank you for your time. And of course you listening at home. Thank you for your time until next time. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>